Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sofin, alongside Captain Kirk McKenzie. In this mini-series with the First Responder Tracking Challenge, also known as FIRST, hosted at the Indiana University Crisis Technology Innovation Lab in partnership with Resultant R2 Network, Generator, and funded by NIST Public Safety Communication Research Division. This challenge is looking at 3D indoor tracking for first responders. Knowing the exact location within the structure of first responders during a search and rescue operation is vitally important to the safety. And here in this mini-series, we are capturing the voice of law enforcement, emergency medicine, and urban search and rescue professionals. Thanks so much for having me on the show again, Kevin. And certainly I'm looking forward to hearing from the veteran first responders, the operators in the field, and why it's important to know where their brother and sister first responders are. You'll hear stories and firsthand experience that'll help paint a picture on the challenge of getting that location, what to expect moving forward, and why it'll provide so much value. Most importantly, on how 3D location fits into an emerging digitally enhanced smart ecosystem for the public safety first response community and those they serve. Hi, I'm Kirk McKenzie, and thanks for joining us today on this podcast with my friend Kevin Sofen from smartfirefighting.com and our guest, Chad Wallace, who will be briefing us a little bit on what he sees as an experienced law enforcement officer that the value of locating personnel during an emergency is and how it'll benefit those that law enforcement officers serve. Chad, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, I really appreciate the invite. Glad to be here. Thanks. And would you mind giving a high level overview on on your background and why we're so glad to have you on the call? Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. So currently I'm with Microsoft, a worldwide public safety and justice group. But I come from law enforcement and uh, spent about 18, just over 18 years in law enforcement, uh, a few different agencies here in the U.S. I've had the privilege of serving in uniform, undercover, SWAT, as well as investigations, which is where I, I had left my career just almost, it's been almost three years and I've been in this role with Microsoft for about two years. Excellent. Thanks so much. And, and for the viewers and listeners regarding the first challenge at Indiana University funded by NIST, the basis is we don't know where our personnel are on a primarily two-way voice command and control platform with radios and and cell phones, what do you see the value is for our first responders and their commanding officers that we'll have when we do know where our people are, including height above ground or below ground? I mean, it's such a game changer. It's hard to even know where to start from. You know, I think about, you know, I think if you just kind of wrap your head around, um, most of us that are first responders would know the current standard of command and control, right? You know, when I think about my old agency from law enforcement perspective, any kind of significant event, our operation standards were open up the back of an SUV and pull out a whiteboard, some paper maps and radios, right? And throw a laptop in there, just keep adding on the weight of information. And really trying to maintain situational awareness, trying to maintain that picture of where all of your responders are as a moving map in your head, just by listening to the radio and kind of getting a general sense of where they are. So I think just to start, you know, having a central picture of where all of the responders are, you know, from a police perspective, you know, incident that we would respond to in a building requiring multiple police officers, you know, you could choose the event itself, but, you know, whatever the incident it is, having lots of police officers moving into building is a complex environment anyway, because 
very police officers operate independently most often, right? You know, very few some would go operate with uh, partners, but most often you're self-deployed. So you or you'd roll into a building on your own, and then eventually start to build up teams. So you can imagine how chaotic it can be and how quickly it can start to dissolve as far as having that command oversight of where all the officers are and trying to dictate or get them to move to a different location all just by voice. But if I can see on a screen real time exactly where they all are, now I can start to move from a position of not only kind of on my heels of where all the responders are and trying to dictate or or do my best to tell them where to go if I have new information coming in. But now I can get really pinpoint specific. I can also verify where they are. So not only give them better directions on, hey, I need you to move to the, you know, the southwest corner of the building because of reason X, I can also verify that they know where they are. You know, really quick, I'll give you an anecdote example. I think even on probably most corporate campuses, buildings today are getting larger and more complex as you get inside. Fewer and fewer windows, the deeper inside the building you get. And, you know, I have personal examples of, of getting inside of a building and, you know, feeling fairly confident. I knew where I was spatially, only to come up and be completely surprised I was on a totally different end of the building. And so, you know, trying to communicate that to a partner to get either help to me or rally support or get to someone else when time is of the essence and every second counts, spending time trying to navigate through a building or trying to coordinate multiple resources, police, fire, EMS, or just multiple police officers together into one location, those seconds matter and those seconds save lives. So Kirk, I hope I, I think I just you opened up a can of worms because there, there's so many, so many benefits. And I, like I said, it's such a game changer to have that ability to move from, like I said, reactive stance, trying to guess where everybody is, do your best as a frontline commander to get everybody on the same page then to be shifted into a proactive stance. And now you can really start to predefine that response. Chad, I liked how you talked about how we want this command oversight. We want this real-time picture that gives us an accurate depiction of where everyone is right now at this moment. But there seems to be a lot in that statement, and especially from a technological standpoint of how do we actually accomplish that? And there's a lot of moving pieces from the hardware that we are wearing, the software that is going on, Tell me a little bit about, from your understanding, what what is happening now and how that data is captured and processed and relayed to what could be done. And and based on the technology that exists, what are some of your insights and how we need to approach implementing the technology to paint a better operational picture real time for law enforcement? Well, I think that's a great question. I think for number one, I'm definitely not advanced technology resource, right? Where we think about the back end of how to integrate and what are those great resources that we can bring together. I think from a high level, the strengths that I see, the really where we see traction coming from is the bridging of resources. And I think the, you know, so whether it's a company or multiple groups or, you know, they're trying to go it alone, we find that it's, that's, it's just so many barriers in the way, right? And then you're kind of leaving lots of great advancements on the table because you're trying to you know, recreate the wheel. And so I think we're finding that as you start banding together um, strength between companies, between organizations, between partnerships, really that's where we're seeing you know, great strengths, great strides. You know, I think about the advancements in mesh technology, right? So the mesh radio technology of being able to 
pair up multiple different network pathways to be able to ensure that you have the best, the strongest signal for those responders, right? Wherever they are. So as you, you know, you start to get into signal degraded, or I don't know if I'm using the right word, right term there, but the degradation of signal based on wherever you are, you know, geolocation based or the physical barriers of a building. You know, I mentioned Microsoft earlier, you know, we're, we have these massive underground garages, multiple stories deep. And you start to think there's zero chance of having great cellular signal, even on a great day. But as first responders, we all think about those. It's great on a training day, but in the real world, when something happens, you have to know that your technology is going to work. So one of those resiliency plans in place. Um, so that's just one example of kind of leaning on those that have already gone ahead to bring in, you know, the, the various ways you can utilize mesh network, the smaller the devices, the resilience, resiliency factors, all the way through to how to visualize it. You know, I think that gets left behind quite a bit. As a police officer, I was not the one that would want to figure out how to navigate, you know, a complex software system. You know, being able to have to turn on certain features, turn off certain features, navigate through different critical capabilities. I just want to be able to turn it on and see where my responders are, right? I want to be able to make that user experience has to be really easy because in a critical situation, if, you know, if Captain Kirk is is navigating, you know, running a complex scene with adrenaline running, with lives on the line, with lots of complex factors, the last thing you want to do is have to navigate a, a challenging system. So, you know, kind of bringing all of those bridges together, how can you move the needle more so that it becomes more user-friendly, easier to use, operates, you know, with as many insights in the background as you can, you bring in AI resources to be able to make sense, surface relevant information as fast as you can, you know, without having to sift through all of that, right? I think about, and stop me if, I, if I'm going too far off the roads here, off the, off the rail, but I think, you know, utilizing IoT, how do you get that information surfaced quickly? You know, if you have an, a smart fire alarm, if you have smart heat sensors indicating that there's multiple people in a certain room inside of a building, how do you access that at the front lines? Um, it's great to have as an after action, but really relevant real time. You know, and I, I'll even toss out there HoloLens, right? You know, the, the mixed reality to be able to have as a frontline commander, have multiple viewpoints of not only an immersive experience of where I am, but where, or where my responders are um, in a digital twin environment, you know, see exactly what my, my responders would be seeing inside of a building. What are those barriers? What are those obstacles they're going to be up against? What are those tools that we, they can utilize? And how can I help provide that God's eye view of what they're going to be heading into? How can I nav- help navigate, provide an extra set of eyes, extra set of tools to be able to help them accelerate their ability to do the job even better, right? It, my viewpoint is technology should be not only helping enhance and bring to bear extra capabilities to, to help the responders that are doing the job, they're hired to do the job, they were built to do that job, they love the job. So it's use that technology to help them get there, but also just as important, pull those barriers out of the way they're preventing them from doing their job. Distractions that can just get in the way of being a public servant. All good points, Chad, and not at all off the rails. Actually, my next question was gonna be very aligned with where you were saying we we see the best progress with teams that can integrate with other technologies, 
for visualizing data. Because a few years ago, we might be on a conference call together, and that'd be somewhat effective. But now we can be in a video chat and screen share and what you said, digital twins and mixed reality and IoT. And what about adding biometrics and edge computing? And so I'd say let's pull on that string a little bit more. You've been generous with your time. Thank you. We'll we'll go a few more minutes. But what do you imagine as the future? Is there, a, say, an iron LEO coming? Is there, are we going to see an iron first responder that's enabled with, well, you tell me, Chad, what, what are you thinking without giving too much away? Yeah, I mean, I think that you can really kind of look to see in a lot of different arenas, you know, even looking outside of law enforcement and see some of the directions that, you know, I think the big thinkers are headed, right? And I, you know, you say, you know, an an Iron Man-esque, an Iron Suit, right, of the really immersive experience of being able to bring a whole nother set of senses to bear, right, real time in public safety. to me, I don't think that's not unreasonable to think of. Right? I don't think that's, that's outside of the realm or even, you know, so far down the road that it's, it's unattainable. I think I'm definitely not as close to that forward leaning technology. I would love to be more and more a part of it. But I think if you, you know, even if you look at some of the emerging capabilities within, you know, military of being able to have, like I mentioned, that augmented reality experience of that edge, the computing power with you at all times really fast speeds ability to process something critical of making a hand gesture that will mark a specific area on the ground or in a building you know and think about translating that into searching buildings searching rooms you know those technologies those capabilities are there are they hardened enough are they prepared enough to be battle tested for fire police ems you know where they really experience some harsh conditions probably not quite yet but you know, I, I think I'm dreaming right along there with you that it's, I don't think it's that far off that you can bring to bear the power of edge compute, bring some AI assistance, augmented decision assistance with you, right? You know, here's some surfaced information that's relevant to you right now. You know, this, this sound was located at precisely this degree, this elevation, and it's behind you by this far, you know, is, this, is that relevant to you? It's those kind of information pieces that I think if you start bringing it all together and it becomes a form factor that's rugged enough to wear for whoever, police, fire, EMS, and it really, it elevates their capabilities exponentially. I think you see that the ability to be adopted is that'll be one of the next big barriers is, you know, the adoption method, the barriers, right? What adopting technology and public safety is, (laughs) it's always a bit of a challenge. So showing enough value will probably be just as equally um, a challenge as as actually creating the technology. I, I think we have the capability now. It's just showing, you know, what's that value. Thanks, Chad. A lot of important context uh, within your statement right there. And as we want to close up here, I wanted to get a, a final sort of challenge or question that you have. A lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and, and some of the brightest technologists and futurists are, are part of this this first challenge that are bringing together all sorts of ideas. And one important piece that you mentioned earlier was trying to collaborate and bring people together. And that's one thing that Sonny Kirkley talks about quite a bit in terms of leveraging all the little pieces of value that you bring, not trying to do it all and work together. So I liked how you talked about that, but 
What else would you say to the competitors of this competition? A final challenge, a question, an insight, or or anything, just kind of a, a final little mic drop from you. Hmm. That's a big challenge right there. Just don't have to come up with a, a good enough challenge for everybody else. I would say, I think most of you that would be involved in this challenge already would know that changing the culture, changing law, uh, police, fire, EMS, that adoption of technology, what I mentioned, that's already a barrier. And I think the reason behind that, there's so many, there's a long history of creating technology that has gotten us a long way, but has also potentially saddled public safety with extra requirements, gear, kit, new technology to have to navigate. The reason I mentioned that is I think it's easy to also be overwhelmed or get maybe lost in the minutia. What I would encourage you to do is stay in the fight, continue to, if, if you have, if you believe in this challenge, if you believe in the capabilities, you know that it can elevate, can take public safety onto the next step, say, stay with it. Keep trying different collaboration platforms or uh, partner groups. And yeah, I think it's so needed. And I think, unfortunately, public safety has been overlooked by much of the technology world for a long time. So it's, I would encourage you not to be discouraged um, and to, to keep in the fight. Thank you so much, Chad. This has been just great. You've been generous with your time. And to my co-host, Kevin, very appreciative. And we'll look forward to getting your voice out to the community. I appreciate it. Always happy to collaborate with you guys. Great to work with you and look forward to more in the future for sure. Chad, thanks for all you do. We appreciate you. We'll see you soon, Chad. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this mini-series episode today. Make sure to check out thefirstchallenge.com for updates on the challenge and reach out with any questions.